0: hey everyone this is the football grump
1: this is the cranky fan
0: and we have a super long episode for you guys you know it it's going to start with a, a focus on the game itself on sunday against the 49ers but it will eventually evolve into a bigger discussion about the team and jason garrett dave Gettleman, a lot of the guys that people seem to want to talk about right now so buckle up because this is going to be a little bit of a ride you're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Jones over the top, it is caught, and take it in for a Giants touchdown by Red Ellison.
0: Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan.
1: Grump. I know how bad our football team is. We're going to talk about them in about 30 seconds, but I am not the cranky fan tonight. I am the champion fan. We're recording this on a Monday night and my Tampa Bay lightning have just won their second Stanley cup. And I've had a a nice strong beverage to celebrate it. So we're going to discuss for the next X amount of time, how bad our football team is, but Give me a moment to revel in actually winning a championship again. It feels great, uh, you know, to all you Islander fans who listen to this show. You know, you took your lumps in the playoffs. To all you Ranger fans, thank you for, you know, the all, all the all the great Ra- Rangers we've had over the past couple of years. The Ryan McDonoughs and all these guys. And you know, I am a champion, and you can't take that away from me. So now let's let's get back to reality.
0: Yeah. <laughs> champion i'm I'm just trying to get a a, a first down over here um, this was an exceptionally exceptionally difficult game to watch um you know we outlined before this game you know before the weekend you know all the things that kind of fell in their favor to make this a competitive game where this is kind of the score and um this is probably the score I would have predicted in June, assuming fully healthy rosters you know mm-hmm. and i I would have come to grips with that i'm I'm you know fine with that but given the injuries that uh the giant that fell in the giant's favor this was just an unacceptable game and, and watching it was even worse um so I, I mean I am not in any way're we're, we're gonna cover a lot of shit today.
1: Yeah, but, um, but, <laughs> you are to strap yourselves in, so yeah, we have a lot but, to discuss.
0: But but uh, of, of Giants games I've had to endure in the past, you know, um, let's say since 2017, this was among the hardest to watch. It really, truly was. Um, so I don't want to downplay at all how bad this was when we get into, you know, conversations down the line uh, in this episode, but this was really bad. I mean I'm I'm trying to think of other games that were bad. There, there was um a real rough Thursday night game against Philly recently that I remember being in the pouring rain for that was just pathetic.
1: There was a Ram, the Rams game in 2017 which was was atrocious. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah.
0: Yeah, actually there was also um a game against the Niners where CJ Bethard was the quarterback. I I want to say was that 2017 also or 2018? Yeah, I was there. We yeah. uh that was—I that was, that was I, I almost shut that one off. This one I actually left. I had—never I, in my life as a Giant fan have I ever shut off a Giants game to go to a wedding party until Sunday.
1: And I legitimately
0: <laughs> left in the fourth quarter because why? I mean, this was—it was so pathetic from an offensive side of the ball. I mean, there was nothing clicking on offense not one positive play where you can say that the play worked as drawn up and i mean i mean okay that's a little that's hyperbole right there mm. there was very very little i mean there was like almost no first downs i mean you cannot win games without moving the ball
1: well that's the thing is you know if you just look at the raw numbers you know it's hard to get in a running game even try to establish when you only have you know 10 rushing plays by someone other than daniel jones and why is that you know yeah you can't get a chance to establish it because the defense is on the field for 40 minutes and the defense the defense defense can't get off the field so we'll talk about how inept the the offense is right now and the reasons behind that and you know but you know the blame for this also falls just as much on the defense that they can't get off the field uh, and I mean, I
0: don't, I don't think it's just as much. You know, I, I, yeah, there, there, I think is, it is. there is a serious, serious problem with third down, uh, and, and I don't think anyone will dispute it. I don't think anyone will dispute it. But, you know, it, that, that job of getting off the field on third down gets so much harder when you are on the field for 40 minutes. When your offense goes up there, three and out, and punt, and not just three and out, but I mean move backwards. I mean, and then you're back on the field... Getting off the field on third down does not get any easier. It gets harder. So, I mean...
1: I, I, don't, I don't want to know. make any excuses for this, but, you know, this is an example of, because of COVID and because of this wonky offseason, you have, you're going to have definitive winners and losers coming out of the gate no matter what happens. And even though Jimmy Groffalo didn't play, uh, their backup quarterback has been in the system for four years. Yes, you know, he it, knows, a very know, good coach. He, yeah. Who has probably one of the top five head coaches in the league right now. I would say, you know, an, an offensive mind an innovator as someone who, you know, even with Garoppolo's, you know, tenure, he's always seems like he's a play away from getting hurt. You know, so you have to have a backup quarterback who's always ready to play. So I think as soon as, you know, all the injuries happen, giant fans just read the top line, headline, oh, injuries, we should win this. But that means, you know, we, we are in such a, you know, it's back to the beginning with this team in a rebuild that we can't really worry about what the competition throwing at us is, can we do our own shit first? And we, we are not there yet. So it doesn't matter if, you know. Mullins is the quarterback, C.J. Beathard, Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas. Jesus Christ is the quarterback. It doesn't matter right now for us because we can't, we can't do the basic things right now. And we were, you know, it's... And we're going to discuss how much of the offseason really you can give a pass to for everything else happening. But, you know, the teams that have, you know, continuality with their, their, their coaching staffs who have a good quarterback who have a good system, they're the ones who are gonna succeed in this early part. Teams like us, young, inexperienced, new coaching staff, losers to begin with, are going to struggle. And guess what? That's exactly what happened Sunday.
0: Yeah, and and you know, just to double down on this, I know I know people I know a segment of people listening are probably nodding in agreement and another segment is shaking their head saying, I don't care what you just said, Nick Mullins just beat us. Look it, I would agree with you if Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt on the first play of this drive, and he took all the first team reps all week, and you know suddenly Nick Mullins has to go in and and they game plan. They were ready for Jimmy Garoppolo to sit. He did not practice at all. Nick Mullins took all the first team snaps. A game plan was drawn up for Nick Mullins to execute, and you it was evident in the way the plays were run. I mean, the, you know Jimmy Garoppolo is a mover. Nick Mullins is not. And that's exactly what you know, they they drew up a game plan to attack the defense to Nick Mullins' strength. It, and then it's just period. So I would agree with you I would agree with you know, fans that don't agree with you, cranky fan, that, that you know, just saying, look, just Nick Mullins beat us flat out. I can't I can't ride with this team anymore. I would agree with them if if circumstances were different for Nick Mullins to come in. But this was this was always a game for Nick Mullins to play and a very good coach drew up a game plan to make it work. Now, to the Giants' credit, and I'm going to give some credit here because I want to get the credit out of the way so we can move on to the things we need to talk about. <laughs> Certain players are continuing to show up week after week. Now, this is now week three. James Bradbury has had a very good game. Um, Blake Martinez, another big-ticket free agent signing this year, um, to very little fanfare to you know Giants fans, also played really well this week. And in general, the running game. I mean for the amount of time that the 49ers got the ball for them to not get a hundred yards on the ground is pretty impressive
1: you're um, talking about, you're talking about defense, the running game
0: Yes, 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 the run defense okay yeah okay, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. yes um,
0: you know I, I, and even then, you know take that with a grain of salt because some of the big gains that happened were late in the second quarter after they had already been on the field for more than any defense should ever have to play in a game
1: we're also getting a, we're also getting a pass rush. I mean, but <laughs> I our, mean, nobody wants to rush, talk about it, but Leonard Williams
0: pass... has two sacks in three
1: games. Oh, yeah, but, you know, we're going to talk all about Dave him in a little bit. Don't worry, everybody. But, by the way, you know, he's playing really well on the defensive line right now. And they are getting a pass rush, which was something, you know, one of the many huge holes on this team that we did not have as a pass rush. And we are getting a pass rush. It's just everything on the backside is the, the colossal disaster right now. But... I can see you're 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 trying to make us feel good with the green shoots, and yeah, I'm gonna, you know. But that's what that's why we got Bradbury. That's why we got Martinez. Is sure. We needed well, I, significant I, upgrades. So I,
0: I agree, and but but I mean, these were guys signed to multi-year deals. They are going to be a part of this team for a couple of years. It's important that they actually play well. And I can't say anything bad about the way either of them have played. So I, I mean, I just want to move that shit out of the way now, and now we can move into the things that are just terrible. And I'm going to start on offense because the offense is significantly worse. Um, we can't do anything. And you you said it perfectly. It doesn't matter. For, forget game planning. And I think I said this not that long ago too. It could have even been a week ago. I wish that they could just spend the whole week working on like 15 offensive plays and don't worry about anything else. We need to figure out how to do these 15 plays because right now they're not executing any play perfectly. It's not happening. They can't run a dive play. They can't run a stretch play. They can't do a simple play action pass. Nothing. Nothing is working correctly. Everything is a fucking mess. There's not one play in their playbook that they can that they can execute right now.
1: To your point, I want to give you an example. Um, I want to use the Florida Gators as an example. They ran – the same play against Old Miss on Saturday, 10 times. Kyle Trask was 9 of 10 for 181 yards and two touchdowns off that same play. Football is not about tricking your opponent. It's not about, out, you know, trying to be the smarter team. It's you, you know, you have to beat your man consistently. You have to, at the line of scrimmage, your guy has to beat that guy. You know, when a pass is thrown, that receiver has to beat that cornerback and you have to be better than them. So you're right. You know, you don't have to have this intricate playbook that is just the smartest guy in the room. That's how you beat a team. Sometimes you have to do your job. And, you know, fans are too quick to, you know, fire this coach, fire that GM, you know, sell the team, blah, blah, blah. But players got to play and they got to do their jobs. And we are seeing – A lot of guys on this team not doing their jobs, and whether that's because they're not prepared, because everybody's not prepared, or what. There's a lot of guys on this team that are not doing their jobs, and that's why we are where we are right now.
0: Yeah, and I would say a lot of that is on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit, and I'm going to ease off just a little bit. I've said this a number of times, but I feel like some people just don't get it, and I don't I don't think other people appreciate how... It, but it every year, let's just say we had a carryover offense from last year, it still takes the offense longer to get on the same page than the defense, and that's because the offense is a drawn-up design. It is proactive. Defenses are reactive. Defenses just have to know what their responsibilities are. Big breakdowns happen, of course, where... You know, responsibilities are confused. Offenses—if one of eleven guys gets the response, it, 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 there's no question the play is doomed. You know what I mean? You get two receivers in the same spot. You're looking at an interception, or the, the quarterback can't throw the ball, takes a sack, throws it away. You know, one lineman thinks somebody's his responsibility. He's not. You get a free rusher at either the running back or the quarterback. It, it can't. All eleven guys have to do their job correctly in order for an offense to work on every single play defense doesn't work like that so now putting this into 2020 terms with no offseason no preseason this really is like probably I know it was the third game but it's probably closer to like the second week of preseason with the adjusted offseason you know with no offseason at all and no preseason this is really only like preseason week two um, so you know I, I can't I can't I can be mad about it and I can blame about it because I, I feel like other teams around the league are having the same issue and they don't look nearly as bad but I have to at least put that into terms and, and, and accept that that was something that was probably going to happen
1: it, it's a you know I'll, I'll buy that but I saw in the first two games of the season I saw a, a little bit of a progression. You know, for even week one was we thought would be a horrible train wreck, and it wasn't. We saw some good things out of week two in in Chicago. This was a pretty significant step back, and so you know, I, 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 you want to use that analogy, fine, but you know, you don't like to see things going in, in the in the wrong direction this quickly, no, and not that's at all. so you know. And it, our question is is why you know.
0: I mean, there's a number of reasons. I mean, losing, you know, we, we talked about this, but losing Barkley is not going to help a team that is already not very good. Um, I, again, I'm sure a million people right now listening to this are just like, everybody's losing people. And you're right. But when you're already a bad team, losing your best player is
1: going to make you look worse. It just is. Um, San, Francisco, San Francisco had several key guys out in this game. But let's remember two things. One, they were six, seven minutes away from winning the Super Bowl last year. And two, they're playing a very bad team in the New York Football Giants. I mean, if, if San Francisco was playing Kansas City tonight or playing Baltimore or playing Dallas, they're not winning that game 38-6 with the personnel. They played a very bad team. But they also have a Super Bowl-quality roster, even with the injuries they have right now. And again— so.
0: Yeah. Super Bowl quality roster is all fifty three guys. It's not your starting twenty two so that's part of it you know that's what that's what great teams are. They are fifty three men deep. Good teams are about thirty to 40 guys deep and bad teams are about twenty two guys deep.
1: but let me ask you something let me ask you a question about this you know let's talk about the coaching game plan and play calling a little bit we touched on this last week and the week before that we felt like this offense was kind of playing a lot for first downs and not really being that very aggressive at all to feel that way. And I feel now at this point where this coaching staff is really concerned about Daniel Jones, not even so much as physical safety. I don't think, you know, I think the offensive line is, the, the pass blocking is better than it was last year. It's not great, but it's better than it was. But, I feel like they're almost trying to save like his mental aspect of the game by let's do tiny little things to see, OK, you can do this. You can do you, you can get three yards. You can get four yards, you know, little confidence things that are not conducive for. Forget winning games, but for winning, adding plays. up to having it. Yeah. For having a drive that's worth half a damn. It's like we are playing for 10 yards and that's it. And, it doesn't you even know, feel
0: like we're playing for 10 yards anymore. It seems like each play is a play that is designed to net three to four yards.
1: Yeah, it, it's designed yeah, it's, to, to build confidence. I know confidence. what you're saying,
0: but I mean like we're not even playing for like dri- – it's like these are drive starters. Each play is a drive starter. There's, there's no swag in this game at all. There's no vertical deep threat whatsoever. Everything seems to be like one look reads like we have a dunce at quarterback when – you know I think one of the things that you know we can talk about Daniel Jones decision making and we can talk about his arm strength or, or whatever his pocket presence but being able to go through progressions was never a criticism of his I don't know why everything is suddenly a one look read he's not stupid I don't think anyone will ever really say that Daniel Jones is stupid maybe a little
1: well, careless. I, I, no I think it's I think it's being done like I said I think it's too build confidence up in Daniel Jones. I, I, and I, I don't think he's been beaten down so badly where we have to, you know, provide this crutch to, you know, build him up mentally. And that's why I feel a lot of these plays are. It's like, you know, try to be as safe as you can, you know, to prevent the the turnover because, you know, he throws a pick and, you know, for the next 20 minutes... Fox is just, you know, stroking themselves over the turnover issues and the oh, problems no, and the no, fundamental no. thing. Before
0: the pick even, he throws a pitch to Evan Ingram, little high, but Jesus Christ, it hit him in both hands. He's clearly not looking the ball into his hands, and it's a, and whatever, I, I'll never understand football statistics, but it's statistically charged to Jones, and that's not even a talking point and how Evan Ingram needs to catch that. A first round yeah. pick can't catch a toss. That it hits him in both hands. Every and, and, really and, and it's and it's, and it's Daniel Jones' turnover is the story. Another fumble. There is a huge difference between staying too long in the pocket and not having a feel for it and fumbling the ball because you've gotten strip sacked, and a pitch to a first round pick that's slightly high. I almost didn't want to mention that it's slightly off target, and and he drops it. There is a huge. Those are
1: in two separate universes. You know, this goes back to my whole rant out a couple weeks ago about, you know, how you we can all during the week, you know, read really smart writers, and listen to really smart podcast people, and then when we get to Sunday and we watch a game, we get these imbeciles who call a game and are color commentators who basically are just reading the headlines. And what is the narrative? What is the, you know, the highest level narrative that, you know, they can talk about? And it was clear the Daniel Jones you know, turnover machine was their story. And that just fit right into their narrative. So it's just, it's very disappointing these networks just don't have smart people on their broadcasts. I,
0: mean, the, I, I, I think that Daryl Johnson's a good color guy. And I think that Kevin Burkhardt is a good play-by-play guy. I'm not even going to say that, but I think in general.
1: <laughs> but you know something though? Know, but, but again, if you're listening to this podcast, you have more than a passive interest in the Giants and the NFL. And I can guarantee you that everybody who's listening to this probably thinks that if I listen to a podcast of Kevin Burkhart and Moose Johnson, that would probably be the 10th smartest one I would listen to in my rotation.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Among networks, that, though, that, <laughs> they're still among the hope. top. So, I mean, that, that's a universal network problem, probably.
1: That, 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 that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's, for some reason, networks think that, oh, a name of a cowboy who played 20 years ago. They think is that's why people are watching a broadcast. It isn't. I don't know why Troy Aikman has a job. He's he is laughable how little he provides. But he's a top guy because he's Troy Aikman because thirty years ago he was a fucking cowboy quarterback. And I don't. I, I'm done with that rant. I do it every fucking week. I'm tired of doing it. But my my point my point being is that you know back to Jones where he's going to get scrutinized for all these things. And I think part of that kind of feeds into what they're trying to do on offense. It's trying to build up Daniel Jones first, you know, get a first down second, try to be, you know, installing their true offense third. And, you know, this, you know, this defense is not good enough to overcome an offense that can't do anything. I mean, no, no defense is good enough to be on the field for 40 minutes, but ours is certainly not one that can say, okay, you know, I get it. We're, we're not going to play a ball control game. This is not the 1990 giants. This is not the team, you know, with OJ Anderson and that that defense that can, you know, three and out, get the ball and we're going to, you know, ball control down. That's not us. So I um, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to be in the, the coaching room right now with Joe judge and the staff to say like, what does he think he has with this team after week three like you know and this is not I'm not knocking Joe judge or the coaching staff at all I, I think it's just I don't know I, I I really don't know what they're trying to accomplish at this moment really it's they're not trying to they you, you can't, they're not they're not trying to game plan to aggressively try to be an offensive juggernaut to win games that way I think it's just trying to it's almost like trying to put a tourniquet on to not have the bleeding for every game.
0: So here's here's the thing. Here's my problem. Right now, the, the, the call... Uh, there, there's two calls for, for firings happening right now. And one of them is Jason Garrett already. Now, I'm not in any way going to judge a brand new offense for its futility. And by judge, I mean like make a... Heads will roll decision after three weeks with no off season. First of all, after three weeks, period. That's not enough time.
1: It's beyond fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, and then th- with no off season, with no preseason games, then it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm going to give it time. However, I am going to say that I have, and we've already, we're already talking about this. So, I mean, there are serious concerns here with what the coaching staff is trying to do offensively. Now, I believe in what I've seen of Jason Garrett over the years, dating back to when he was an offensive coordinator and continuing through with what he's had other offensive coordinators install. You know, they haven't been that different, those two things. But what I've seen is not what used to be. And I don't know what the plan is here. I don't know if Jason Garrett has suddenly changed his mind, if someone is telling him to run a different kind of offense or to eliminate something from his playbook, which doesn't seem likely, because why hire the fucking guy? But, or, or if it's just he's hamstrung by not having an offseason and he's just implementing things at a time or, like you're saying, trying to boost Daniel Jones' confidence. But what I'm seeing on offense is concerning because when we started this season, we, among almost every other giant analyst, fan, you name it, had more concerns about the defense than the offense in terms of um, talent – roster talent and yet we have a defense that seems to be running patrick graham's system just about the way he did and it seems to be working pretty fine despite i would say having less talent on defense than on offense where coaching
1: is coaching is not making the defense worse it's the talent level we have we're going to get into this a little bit later too but you're right I, I'm just concerned
0: about what seems to be the plan on offense because I can't figure it out. That that concern. What I see on defense, even when they give up a third and 22 or, or something like that, on, on, by the way, a bullshit illegal contact call. Yes, by the letter of the rule, but on third and 22, you're going to call that. Give me a break. But whatever. They give up on third down constantly, especially in this game, but... I can see that this is the actual system and it's a deficiency of talent that's preventing them from getting off the field on third down. On offense, I cannot see what we're trying to accomplish. It's not just failure. I mean, there's that too. There's a lack of execution on offense from the player standpoint, but I don't know what the plays are trying to do. We have no deep threat in terms of scheme. The route tree doesn't seem to be any different. They seem to be one-look throws you know we, we we're not running the ball period i mean i know i know you know we all want to segment out daniel jones's five runs but not all five any zone read is a called run anyway so you know that's still a running play even if jones is the one running as long as he's not scrambling on a drop back it's it's a run a run play call but we're not running the ball we're not trying we're not if we if you can't execute a dive then you need to spend time in practice forget about every other fucking running play you need to be able to execute a dive it, it, it just has to happen
1: spend, spend time in practice is a luxury they don't have I mean those sure. are things that I mean that would be done in the off season I mean, during the week you don't that's not what you do during practice no, you no, no, no. I don't
0: mean in practice so, I mean in the I mean, film room that's I mean, what we're
1: kind of screwed on but I, I mean in the honest. film room
0: the film room is all about analyzing yourself. You spend your own fucking time, you know, you know, looking at your individual matchup. You know, Deion Sanders, or Jalen Ramsey, name, name a corner, spends his own time reading what receiver he's going to have to go up against and learning all his little moves so that he can predict what kind of pass is going to come and what kind of route is going to come. When you're in the film room, you're looking at yourself and all the things that you did wrong and all the things you did right. If you – nobody is doing anything right on the offensive line. It, it's you know, it's my, terrible.
1: It, my guess for this, you said you're not sure why they're not doing anything, is I think I think this coaching staff has very little confidence in Daniel Jones. I think it starts with the quarterback. I think that – I think Daniel Jones, this, this staff thinks this is more of a project than the last staff did. And I think this staff thinks it's more of a project than maybe Dave Gettleman did when they drafted him. And again, if they had the full offseason to really work with him, they would be installing and implementing more of what the Jason Garrett offense is meant to be. However, I think what's happened is with that lack of time with him and what they've seen on film from him and, you know, in the, truncated amount of time they can put their hands on him, they think he needs a lot more work than he is ready to do in an NFL, to be an NFL, to run the offense that they want to run. So I think what they're doing is I think they've kind of put some training wheels on him a little bit and they're going to suck it up this year, you know, and this is a lost year. It's a lost year for almost everybody and we have the perfect storm of everything wrong with with this year. And, you know, none of these coaches are coaching for one year. You know, None of these players, like guys like Daniel Jones, are not playing for just this year. And I think what they're doing is I think they are bringing him along. And because of him, the offense is coming along a lot slower than what they're trying to do. I, I really think that. I think it all comes down to what they think of Daniel Jones. The offensive line, you know, it is what it is. There's a major problem at center. There's a problem on the right side of the line. Andrew Thomas has been okay. Not great. Okay. Uh, Will Hernandez has been not good. You know, center's awful. Right side has not been good. But it's not the sieve that it was, but it's not good enough to really do what you want to do. And, you know, that's going to require more talent. But I think right now, I just think that, you know, and Giant fans don't want to hear this and they hate seeing it, you know every saturday every sunday rather it's very painful to watch but you're kind of watching spring football in the fall this year because i just i just don't think they think that daniel jones is the man right now and they are not going to and i hear i saw some people on twitter saying maybe you should bench jones for a while and, and, and bring in the backups no you you're not half pregnant you know you, you you are we are daniel jones is our quarterback and he has to play and he has to get his reps especially in a year like this where you're not getting the practice time you should um but i, I think that is the the fundamental reason why we're doing what we're doing and whether that's right or wrong you know, i'm not a coach I, i'll make those evaluations but that's what i think
0: that's that's an interesting theory um Yeah. And you think that they just decided this based on the fact that uh, just because of COVID, that that he was going to be too much of a project and not to really bother with much of anything?
1: I think that, uh, you know, when they first got the jobs and they first, you know, they looked at the film from last year and they looked at all, you know, 14 games he played at and said, you know, we need to do things mechanically with him. We need to you know, implement an offense that is more tailored to what he does best. And I think all of that got scrubbed with COVID. I mean, you would have had so much, you know, every OTA, you know, gone, you know, mini camps, gone, a real training camp, gone. I mean, it was, it it was patty cakes what they were doing in, in the fall. It wasn't really, you know, and you're trying to rush and do a million things during that, you know, shorter time period together. So, I just think that, you know, you, instead of force feeding him the offense and saying, away we go, I think they evaluated him and said, this guy's, you know, I mean, let's, you know, let's go back in time now. Remember, he was, they drafted him. The plan was never for him to start right away. The plan was to have Eli play at least last year and maybe into this year, although we all saw that Eli was toast. But that was not what, you know, the last coaching staff and Dave Gettleman thought. And, you know, his time frame for playing got accelerated really quickly. He became the starter, you know, in week three. And he didn't have that season to prepare even for that. And he had a, you know, coaching staff that was on the hot seat. Ultimately got fired. So that's not helping his development at all. And then you throw that all out the window and try to do it again. But oh, we can't work with you to do it again. I just think they're trying not to overload the guy. And I don't think it's because he's a dummy. I just think they are looking at this as a longer term investment, a longer term project. So, you know, does it really matter if this team ultimately goes three and 13 or, you know, five and 11 this year? I mean, that's what the talent level on this team really is and what the situation is. So it's something, you know, again, Dick you're going to catch holy hell from the fan base and the media, but Mm -hmm. I think this is their game plan and they're just going to work on having at least the beginning part of this season as extended training camp. It sucks. I mean, you don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to like it. I mean, you, you know, Grump and you the fan base and you know, all of us, we don't like it. I mean, that was a a torturous three hours, but, that's where we are. I mean, well, this here's is the, the thing. Th-
0: Here, here's so going into the season, you know, maybe the coaches knew all of that. That's that's a certainly valid theory. But we as fans knew that this was a sub 500 team. Period. You know, the problem is watching a sub 500 team. So you can oh, know something exactly, and <laughs> what that does. And 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 I know people are going to be like, oh, sub 500, what I saw on Sunday was blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, any team, no matter their record, you can't pick one game out of the season and call it a trend. You know, it, it, we're three games in, so nothing matters right now, and we're coming off of two weeks of being very close to... It, close games, both games. um, And now week three... You know, there's the blowout. So this is not a trend in the wrong direction. You know, whatever, right? But seeing it leads to the other person whose head is being called for right now. And this one's a much louder chorus, and that is for Dave Gettleman. And, you know, you can make an argument that after three years, this team doesn't seem to look very very much better on the surface, right? I mean... I'm going to make a bunch of arguments as to why they are better than when he got here. Um, But nevertheless, I think you can make a valid point that they should be seeing some translation in terms of not just wins and losses, but just things that you see on the field that don't seem to look any better. And that's fair. But the criticism that I'm seeing is just simply not fair. And again, this is me coming from the middle of the road. I'm not defending him. I'm calling out bullshit where I see it, and I see tons of bullshit being thrown at him, blaming him for things that had nothing to do with him, and just a misunderstanding of what a rebuild is when it started and what certain guys' roles were that he brought in. It's a complete misunderstanding. And it's not a misunderstanding because people don't understand. It's because they've already decided... When they didn't see wins happening year one, year two, that now every piece of evidence is being turned a certain way to just be another bullet in that gun that's aimed at his head. So, you know, and, and, you know, it's just – I hate to be in this position to have to defend somebody who, you know – has not had a winning record in any capacity.
1: Who's not done a good job. I mean, I mean, we're we're not saying the guy's great. I mean, we're disappointed. We, I think we both feel that this team should be further along. We should not be at this level of precariousness and this fragile of a, of an organization that we are really with, with kid gloves, you know, trying to protect our quarterback and trying to protect everything. You know, we, this roster has basically flipped uh, with the exception of probably five or six guys since Gettleman's gotten here. And, you know, my, you know, I guess my question to you then, Trump is, you know, three plus years in is the overall talent level on this team that much better. I mean, I don't talk about for a minute, you know, I know we got to get the cap figured out. We had to fix our draft picks. We had to do all those things, which had to be done, but, now that we're in year four now, you know, is this talent level from one to 53, well, is why three. is it, this is his third year as being GM or four?
0: This is the third, right? Because McAdoo was fired at the end of 2017, so he had 18, 19, and 20. Is that not right?
1: Shimmer was coached two years, this is his third, this is his third year. Yeah. Okay, so three years, three years in. Still, that's still a... No, I, I'm, you know. I'm, just, I'm just getting it set up right.
0: So the, the yeah, overall talent, I would say we are on par with what he was handed in terms of talent alone. Now, where he has changed things is the contract situations for all of those guys, um, the cap, and the overall age of this. This is one of the youngest teams in the league. Um, so... He has torn it down, I would say, at the beginning of 2018. to 2019 was probably a worse roster in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and I would say it's trending upward. It doesn't look like it, but this is an upward trend in terms of roster. Um, it's, just, it's just a misunderstanding. I mean, you have to think about what was on this team going into. You had Olivier Vernon, who has still done jack shit since leaving, did jack shit here, was really only good on his rookie contract where he did not play in New York. Um, you know, this is somebody he had to get rid of. Um, Damon Harrison's not even in the league right
1: now? Well, let, let's, let, let's back up a little bit. Um, again, a lot of these guys were brought in because there was a organizational belief that they could still win with Eli, and they thought they could make one last run for it. So the roster was built... Specifically for a very small window of one to two years of let's make a run. And we'll, you know, we're about the future whenever the future happened. When- and,
0: and that was a 2016 through 2020 window that those guys were all signed through. And none of them are here anymore. I mean, it was right after Tom Coughlin was fired. Ben McAdoo was handed the keys to four premier contracts on defense. Four. to to shore up a defense that was not holding up its end as far as ownership saw fit, right? So you had Janoris Jenkins was brought in, Damon Harrison, Olivier Vernon, and Jason Pierre-Paul was re-signed to a very large deal as well. And that worked in a very small window and just barely in 2016. Now, record-wise, it looks like it worked really well, but if you watched any of those games, and we've talked about this before, they had a very easy schedule. They were all like one big play from Beckham. To, the bottom to, line.
1: The bottom yeah. line is is wins and losses, and being in it's the playoffs. It, okay, so. fine. Yeah. And in that
0: yeah. one year of the four years that they were trying to make this window, in that one year, they got the wins and losses that they were aiming for. It didn't mean anything in the playoffs, unfortunately. And you, you know, I'm not saying this in, in a snarky way. I was. We were at a bar. I was so excited to watch that playoff game. It was a disappointment. I, I'm not happy about this. This is not me being elated. But it's just the fact. And now all of these contracts now hung over their head as they torpedoed in 2017 and 2018 just got worse. You know, it, it, these things had to be cleared up. So while these guys are all talented individuals, they, they, they had to go. I mean, it was just not part of a long-term plan anymore. This was no longer about 2020. Those players were not going to contribute to what was needed to be built at this point. So
1: yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, what I'm saying is, thing.
0: you know, they had a lot of talented guys on that initial roster from 2018 when Dave Gettleman got here, but they had to go. They just had to leave as part. That's what tearing it down is. So.
1: And also, I think the way this current roster is constructed, there are a lot of things are out of Gettleman's control. I mean, people are blasting Gettleman because. John Jerry Baker, a guy who had no criminal record, became a criminal. Well, this allegedly. is – so that, that is the perfect you know, example
0: of the twisting facts to fit an already pre-written narrative because there's literally like one or two reports about quote-unquote red flags that do not in any way say that they are legal red flags. They were strictly not in any way categorized at all. We are to assume that those are locker room red flags, that they are film room red flags, which did surface in that year. Apparently there were some reports that he slept through meetings or whatever, and that's a fair criticism. But him not playing at all this year because he's been arrested is not a fair criticism. I have not seen one pre-draft report from anyone saying they thought that this was going to be a bad kid that would not do well with money, that would – you know just, you know, was going to get into trouble. I have not seen one report. If I will retract all of this if someone can find one pre-draft report that expected that. Until then, shut up. It's not evidence of anything.
1: I mean, you know, he's gonna catch grief because Barkley's been hurt. I mean, I think it I think it's a very fair argument and criti- and could be con- considered a good criticism of drafting Saquon Barkley second when there were so many other needs on this team. But the fact that Barkley is hurt and can't play and has been hurt for a good chunk of his career, that's not Gettleman's fault. I mean If he drafted a quarterback at number two in, in, in 2018, and he's been on the shelf for you know two years, is that you know, then excuse it because well he's a quarterback as opposed to a running back? No. I mean, I think in hindsight, or you know, what's going to define Gettleman? his tenure here, it's going to be that pick of picking Barkley over picking, you know, but over any picking, quarterback you want it
0: over picking who, because it's not any quarterback you want it because Baker Mayfield is off the table. So who is the quarterback? Because I want someone to pick it out because, you know, Pat Leonard writes this article and his, his, he has a whole paragraph dedicated to how picking Saquon Barkley was not a rebuild move because the rebuild didn't start when Dave Edelman got here. That was a win now pick Okay, why? If you don't want to pick Barkley, that's a fine criticism. I'm, I'm okay with saying that a running back is a bad picket too. But tell me who specifically you're going to pick because right now, Jets fans are ready to run Darnold out of town and draft Trevor Lawrence, and it's not just Jets fans; it's actual analysts.
1: Well, so, again, I'm, you know, I'm not saying don't, that's right or wrong. But because what what Sam is, Darnold, but what Sam Darnold did in with the Jets and the, the he's had two coaching staffs now as well, right? We don't put him in a different situation, he may be a different quarterback. He makes you can say it for any, I mean, I, you, you can't, you, you can't, you know, extrapolate, well, he's sucked because, you know, he would have sucked universally wherever he was. I mean, I think he's in a, the, the Jets are just as much of a joke as we are right now. So, you know, he's but, but in my,
0: a, my point isn't that Sam Donald isn't a good quarterback or anything like that. It's that you can't lambast a pick for being terrible unless you've got a slam dunk behind it. And Sam Darnold just isn't a slam dunk. You're not going to convince me that a guy who, and I have nothing against Sam Darnold, I actually think he's a good quarterback on a very bad team in a bad situation. I really do think that. So whatever. But if that's, that's the hill you're going to die on is that he should have taken Sam Darnold, I mean, it's, it's not like it's Patrick Mahomes was picked right after Barkley and that there was a colossal mistake there. I don't think in any way picking Barkley over Darnold is a quote unquote win now pick. I don't think so. I mean it's it's a very fair criticism to say that they thought more highly of Barkley than they did Darnold. I think that's that's
1: just as fair as
0: saying the other way around.
1: Well, I mean, you also could have drafted, you know, if you wanted a quarterback. I mean, or also we're restricting this to just quarterbacks, you know. Because that's
0: what I assume everybody is is a rebuild move, right?
1: I mean, you, I mean, I doubt you would have drafted Quentin Nelson. Or maybe you would have. You know, if you're really trying to be I'm all in with the Hog Mollies and rebuilding the offensive line, I guess you could have picked him, but you know, Josh Allen's pretty damn good right now. <laughs> you know, Josh, Allen,
0: Josh Look, look, I'm telling you, right. Josh Allen is uh, doing very well. He's getting better at things. He's also on a much better
1: team. Much better I mean, team. I mean, you know, Fan Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know, I know he was sure. at the bottom of the first round, but you know, if if, if you, you know, let's put it this way: if gentlemen thought Daniel Jones was a sixth overall pick, he probably would have thought you know that Lamar Jackson was a pretty high level pick, also.
0: Yeah, I agree so with maybe that. You, know, I did, you know, Lamar so, Jackson's a fair answer to that. But then tell me why thirty teams didn't take him.
1: You know. Well, 30, 30 teams might not have had the need for a quarterback. Okay. A bunch
0: of them did, though. Not 30. 10? Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Yeah. That, yeah, that, it's, like,
1: it's, yeah, it's
0: Yeah.
1: Right, but you know something? Again, but you know something, this is not, the, this is the, not a the teams or, that, But the teams uh, that needed a quarterback and didn't draft him, if I go through this list, I see a lot of teams that have sucked for years and continue to suck. <laughs> you know, I see... Uh, let's see... Uh, Cleveland, the fourth pick. Mm, they've sucked for years. Uh, you know, Denver, they they're pretty bad. Uh Chicago, they could have, you know, they just they just bench a quarterback and they're undefeated. You ever seen that happen before? You know? <laughs> I've, I've never seen that before. I mean, uh, you know, the Bucks had a decision to make with uh with Jameis Winston. They weren't gonna pick him. Washington could have, but you know. I mean, but these teams are all still bad. So, I mean, it just it's teams might have whiffed on him, but if you need a quarterback, I think you would have looked at it in a different lens and said, maybe. But my whole point is, though, that that's the pick that he's going to be more so even than taking Daniel Jones, you know, so high up when he thought his value might have been over. It, it, it's that pick. And, you know.
0: I don't so, know. I, so, I, since we're talking about Daniel Jones and the Pat Leonard article. I'm just going to go through some of the things that he said here. The, first of all, if, if you're interested in some, if you're if you're on the toilet and you, you're out of toilet paper, this article is great. This will really well. Work, no, yeah. basically,
1: if, if you are in the fire Dave Gettleman camp, this article is a Pulitzer Prize for you. I think what we want to do is kind of kind of pull it apart and say man, why. it's – Yeah. Why? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, okay, so it's titled, if you're looking it up, GM Dave Gettleman is to blame for this Giants team being completely devoid of talent. Um, and for the record, I'm not trying to put the blame on anybody.
1: Not that's what we want to focus the- on. Yeah. We want to focus right now on the talent level of this team. Forget being prepared in this offseason. Forget the new coach. Let's talk about the talent. Should this team look as bad as it does, given the situation? And that's what we want to do right now.
0: So... There's a number of things in this article that are just... You know, it starts off about the game and it goes through the game against the 49ers and how bad it was. And, that, and that's all fine and good because it really was that bad. Um, but then there's there's these little passing sentences that are just thrown in there and they're just simply not facts or they're just misleading. And they're just thrown in there while there's a whole paragraph extrapo- extrapolating and explaining things. Like, for instance, it's just... <laughs> Gettleman... Hired and scapegoated Shermer, but it's the owners who get the credit for hiring Judge. We can't criticize Joe Judge right now because he hasn't done anything wrong. So the ma- the mayor has hired him, but it was Gettleman who hired and scapegoated Shermer. I mean, the dude gets all the blame for Pat Shermer, even though the owners have to sign off just as much as Joe Judge. Why, why is why are those two held unequally?
1: I mean, the two most important decisions that a general manager makes is picking the right quarterback and picking the head coach and he's going to scapegoat a guy not even two years into his job that quickly no that's not that's not accurate
0: but it's it's not even the fact that it's the scapegoat forget even the word scapegoat it's just that Gettleman is responsible according to this article for hiring Shermer and it's just thrown in there it's just saying like oh get you know where's the exact fucking line it's it's brutal but it but it's because they conveniently can't criticize Joe Judge as a hire yet, he doesn't get credit for the hire. It's just it, it, it's just a, an unbalance of credit here. Um, if if you want to blame him for Shermer, then you have to equally praise him for Judge, or equally blame him for Judge. You know, well, well, well why we even it,
1: why we why are we even judging Judge right now? He's three games in with the absolute worst hand dealt for any coach possibly in. NFL history. So there is no judging of Dave. It's a complete, incomplete, complete NA, complete nothing right now. So nobody's giving Judge credit for anything. And nobody's, I haven't, and I think to the fan base's credit, and I think to the media's credit, nobody said a word about Joe Judge or this coaching staff at all. I mean, you, you referenced some people saying fire Garrett, but I haven't heard that.
0: Oh, yeah. it's, It's definitely starting already.
1: Well, there's morons in this fan base, and hopefully you're not listening to this show. But I, 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 you know, I haven't heard one word about Joe Judge. I mean, I. No, I
0: haven't. You know, He's just been him.
1: Okay, uh, okay, keep going. So,
0: so here's here's the big thing, and it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what certain guys were brought in here to do. There is a a a who's who's list of like where people are now that used to be on this team. And Al oh, yeah. Ogletree I- is, is listed. Okay, Al Ogletree, when you trade for a guy who's on a big contract, you are not building something for the future. This is a guy who is a a, a... a Again, this is not me saying we should be blaming Jerry Reese, not Dave Gettleman, but it is a simple fact that there have not been critical investments invested in the linebacking core. None. Some. some you can't just draft three starting linebackers in a year. You need it was to bring almost in a joke every year we never dropped the linebacker. Yeah, it, exactly. You need to bring in somebody who can start. And you're not going to trade for an all-star without giving up, a, a, mortgaging your whole team. So nobody's giving up any all-star linebackers. So you're going to have to trade or purchase a linebacker who is mid-level at best.
1: And, and let's remember when this was. This was still during the, this we can still win with Eli mode.
0: Uh, yes, this was this was the first-year move. This is a first-year move. Antoine Bethea is being criticized. Nobody, nobody looked at Bethea's contract and, and, and was like, he's bringing in Bethea, that's going to turn this around. Nobody. And that means he didn't think that either. The fact is, they needed a safety. They didn't have one. Okay? So they brought in a guy who conveniently was from the same system who was running the defense before. Now, did it turn out to be terrible? Absolutely. Did we think it was going to be good? Did anybody? Curtis Riley was like a late preseason-ish, uh, late late training camp addition. You don't pick up guys then that are going to be solid contributors.
1: I think if you go back to the tape of this show from three years ago, I think we said the biggest thing we saw from guys like Patea coming on the team was they can help with the transition to exactly. this new defense right. and as as you draft into it you know as this defense is implemented he fades away and these guys take over Absolutely, so that's what we said back then
0: yeah and it, I still stand by it B.W. Webb these are depth guys I mean come on Jonathan Stewart this has been one for forever you know you, we can criticize the amount of the contract etc but saying that he's you know now but, he's but retired even but he was, I mean come on Another depth guy, rotational
1: guy. Well, two things about that. One, we talk about, like, Jonathan Stewart, like we gave him $20 million. We did What did we give him, 4000000 million? Wasn't that much. I mean, it was, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a relatively small amount against the salary cap. What it was four. And it didn't work out. That's fine. But the argument that Leonard's making in this article is.
0: That, that all these moves that he's made, these guys have all moved on to other teams and continued to suck there. That's the argument that he's making.
1: Yeah, it's like these guys that he he made moves for are no longer in the league or they're backups or they're hurt or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you would have gave, you know, if these guys were still on the roster, you would give him more shit for why these guys, they wouldn't even be on NFL rosters. So we, they were brought in for specific purposes and to flip the roster to, you know, to churn it and get people in and out. Who cares? You know, if the guy's not good enough to be on the roster, he shouldn't be on the roster. So I don't understand the point of, well, this guy's no longer in the league. This guy isn't here anymore. Well, good. The thesis No no no
0: roster. The thesis of this article is that the rebuild is only starting now. It didn't start in 2018. And these are all the pieces of quote unquote evidence that he's putting to it. Look, you, nobody comes in and truly one hundred percent slashes an entire roster and then starts it over. You can't do it in one year. It, can, it doesn't happen. And people point out anecdotal evidence of, there's, oh, well, this team turned it around. Okay, they, they traded for a quarterback. Or they already had their franchise quarterback when this guy came in. Or this, that, and the other thing. These are different scenarios. This was a true, all 22 starters have to go. And that's literally what has happened here.
1: <laughs> if Daniel Jones was drafted by, let's say, Denver, you know, when they had Tim Tebow, you know, a pretty good playoff team, but, you know, Tebow wasn't the long-term answer or something, and they drafted him to kind of fit in. Or, like, Andrew Luck, who who came into a situation where, you know, Indianapolis, changing of the guard, but there was talent around him. It would be a different story. You know, again, you know, bringing in a Daniel Jones who's not a day-one game changer like a Mahomes or a Lamar Jackson or any of these other guys who's going to be uh, those, you know, those are
0: bad examples by the way those those guys neither one of them started their first year but I, I get what you're yeah, saying they're but, not but, Andrew Luck, yeah but they're not Eli
1: Manning yeah but, not- but, but but there they are guys that are game changers you know as soon as they started playing I mean you know Daniel Jones was never thought of a guy who's going to you know I, any Giant fan who has any realistic expectations does not think that Daniel Jones one day will be one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. I think that's a fact. I think I think he could be he could be a serviceable quarterback on this team for the next you know five to seven years. You know, maybe in that upper you know second quadrant of re- of quarterback, not an All Pro, but you know, not just a replacement level guy. You know, but a decent quarterback who can. Win you games, hopefully, you won't lose your games, and, and away we go. Um, but he's not a guy that has the ceiling of, this is a franchise quarterback with a capital F. He's not that. And so I don't even know where I'm even going with this anymore. Where was I going?
0: Um, the situation <laughs> in which uh, the quarterback was drafted into. Yeah. That, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean – The whole thing is, though, this roster is, there's a, again, I say this over and over again, it's a perfect storm of bad things that happen. You know, you're trying to rebuild, you, because of the, the salary cap situation, because of the lack of draft picks, you had to do some, you know, addition by subtraction. Because all the arrows weren't aligned the exact same way that it's time to rebuild, you know, there was still a, well, maybe one more shot at Eli. Okay, well, doing that. Slow down the process of a tree rebuild as well. So you know, is the is it a true rebuild starting right now? A little bit. I mean, now there's a new coaching staff. We are starting over in the coaching staff. Uh, you know, there's a finally a 100% commit commitment to the quarterback they drafted. Uh, you know, we are no longer having to clean up for the roster mismanagement of the past by having to shred contracts to get under, you know, to have a workable cap. Um, we're going to have to actually work on some draft picks for next year because we're a little short for next year. But well, all of that uh, stuff is all there. So
0: you, you, you can make an argument, yes, that the effects of a rebuild are starting now, but that doesn't mean, I mean, these things that we're saying, I mean, you know, we have a quarterback that's starting for the first time this year. Um, We have a left tackle, you know, a new left tackle on the line. We have our our big-time offensive weapon in Saquon Barkley. You don't get all those three things at once. You don't shred contracts immediately. I mean, some of these contracts, even when they were cut, the dead cap carries over. I mean, it it just—you can only do so much at first. You can't just cut all the contracts, sign all these draft picks, get in all these free agents all at once because they just were not in the cap situation— or simply the dress they didn't come into the into Dave Gettleman did not arrive here with three first round picks at his disposal to start his rebuild so you have to do things incrementally which means in order to put a playable team on the field you have to bring in guys from outside the organization that are just simply going to play out the year two years, three years as you transition into what you're actually building and that is, I mean, it's a who's who's list in this article of guys that were simply not part of the long-term solution. And anybody who has any working football knowledge knew that.
1: Let's take away the COVID situation for this year. I mean, what would, your, what would you expect to see after week three? If, if we had a normal, you know, Joe Judge is hired in February, the normal offseason, OTAs. Are we still many playing the 49ers? And- yeah, I mean, we're still playing the same schedule. You know, where we finished week three. I'm not talking record-wise. I'm talking about.
0: I know what you're. I know what you're asking me. Like, what I would see on the field, I would expect it to look better.
1: I mean, do you do you expect it to look, you know, night and day better? Not like we're a good team, but I mean, there's a big there's a big gap right now between what we saw Sunday and what a good team is. Like, I don't think we were. Nobody's saying we'd be a playoff team by this Look, point, but what would you expect to see? There's
0: two things here. There's if, if San Francisco, if there's no COVID situation, then San Francisco doesn't come in here with 11 injuries. And in that instance, I would not be surprised if what we saw, even with a, an offseason, you know, that, that that was fully normal. Yeah, yeah was, but
1: again, I'm not I'm not talking about records. I'm not talking about matchups.
0: I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that if there was a normal offseason – I would expect San Francisco to be fully healthy. A fully healthy San Francisco roster versus with, with a full offseason, with a fully healthy New York Giants with a full offseason, I think would have looked pretty similar to what we saw. The disappointment okay. here is that okay. they were not at full strength. We should have seen at least the ball moving forward. It's not even about the score. It's not about who won. It was that the offense went backwards and the defense couldn't get off the field on third down.
1: That's my point, you're you're getting to my point. I, so, I was
0: working my way to it. yeah.
1: yeah. so so then I guess the bigger question that everybody wants to have answered is, you know, how many games are we now into this with Gettleman, and even before Gettleman, you know moves have been made, Should we still be at this point now?
0: I mean, I know that's what everybody
1: wants right.
0: I know that's what everybody wants to figure out, but it is very difficult to really, truly answer that when, A, this was a very tough sledding beginning of the schedule. We've been saying it since the schedule was released. This is not news. We're just seeing it now. So, yeah, it's something to keep in mind because come Sunday, Giants fans just forget that this was always going to be a tough beginning to the year. In terms of just, I mean, again, even if they had a full offseason, this was not going to be easy. Um, you know, there's that and just how how do you even judge where this rebuild should be when they don't get an off-season? If they had had one, I would expect them to look better. I would be very upset if they were not at at least down to the wire against a banged up 49ers team yesterday. I mean, I I'm, I'm being serious. I know we're not talking scores, and we're not talking mm-hmm. records, but truthfully, it should have been down to the last two drives at the very least. They should have won the game. With a full they should, have, been, they should they,
1: have won They should have been not only competitive, but at least trying to impose what they were – what they want to do, and not be one hundred percent reactive.
0: It was There's beyond no, uncompetitive, un- even when the score was close on Sunday. Right, it was There's a no- tie game, and I was almost disinterested. They were moving the ball; we were not. They just weren't putting it. They just weren't putting the money in the bank. The 49ers. We we couldn't do anything right. We were getting field goals by lot. Of, they missed a field goal. I mean, like it, they were handing it to us, and, and they, they're just running over us at the same time. The Giants couldn't do anything right.
1: Bottom line, is Is Gettelman going to survive this year after this I, you year? Know, so I, as we
0: look at this, I, I, I'm beginning to think that he doesn't at all. I, I, I'm beginning to think that it's already a foregone conclusion that he's gone from the ownership standpoint. Um, and I, I, the thing is, I it's not about whether he deserves it or not. It's like, is it really a good idea? I mean, it's not about giving him a chance. It's that they are now... Finally, he has the three things on offense that he's striving for, right? You get your left tackle, you get your new quarterback, you get your offensive weapon. He's got those three things only now for the first time. One well, he doesn't, have his op- he doesn't have his offense. That's offensive what I'm saying. One of them's incredibly yeah. hurt. They have a new offense brought in here with no fucking offseason. It's a fucking bust. So what you see of these three things that he brought in is not a true indication of what he's actually brought in here. And on defense, holy shit, I thought this defense was going to be bad. They're I think they're ranked team-wise in yards as like top 5 right now. I mean, is it really a good is his plan not working? If they do take him out and I'm not going to fight it, you know, if they, if they fire him, whoever they bring in needs to buy into the exact same philosophy that because it, you're already you're waist deep in it right now.
1: Well, then you have then you have another rebuild. <laughs> I mean, saying, that, if, that's if, he, right.
0: if, if your new GM buys into the exact same philosophy as Dave Gettleman, maybe you just don't like the moves that he made in that philosophy, but you bring in a guy who believes in rebuilding the trenches, who believes in, you know, generating a pass rush or, or whatever, buys into what he was trying to do, then okay, maybe you might have found a stride there because he can build off of what was already started. But you bring in a guy. Who like Jerry Reese likes to build from the outside in. It's a it's the antithesis of what Dave Gettleman is doing. So you bring in a guy like that, and now you're really truly starting everything that was already brought in. Get rid of it because it doesn't fit. That it doesn't fit at all what he's trying to do, and that will truly set this franchise back. Not not saying it won't work. What I'm saying is that if you continue in what Gettleman is trying to do here, you can be truly competitive next year or 2022. If you shut it all down and so you're not, you're looking at 2024 now. It just is what it is.
1: I think if they bring in, if I I think he's probably going to be gone. And my guess is they're going to try to find somebody. I'm going to use this in air quotes: younger and more modern. Somebody, you know, I mean, Dave Gallman is going to be 70 years old. Dave Gallman is old school. You know, they're going to try to find somebody. You know much more in tune to analytics much more in tune to what the modern game is that's look, that's and, that's, but fine. that's but that might require you know again that might be you know some of that that I might, think that, is might, find, that, might find, that might find that might find better players within the system they're trying to do or make better decisions right. based it doesn't necessarily mean it's a whole scrapping of philosophy it might be just a more efficient and better way to get there Look, uh, but, yeah, but, but exactly—that's you know, my point. That's my point. So a new GM may not like Joe Judge. A new new GM may not like uh, Daniel Jones. If he doesn't like one of those two, you're starting over again. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. And and th- there's a fair criticism here of, of Gettleman being slightly out of touch in terms of you know analytics or, or, or whatever, right? Um, but there are still two types of teams in this league. There are the Smashmouth teams, and there are the You know, gunslinger teams and they're different types of teams but they both work you know you can bring in a guy who appears young is young enjoys analytics but still believes in smash mouth football I mean for fuck's sake how old is Kyle Shanahan this is a run first team rush the passer team that the 49ers have he ain't an old guy he believes in analytics he's it's the same philosophy it's a different way of looking at it it's a different way of evaluating it is what I'm trying to say that's that's fine. They may bring in an optics guy like that, you know. And and we've we've touched on this briefly in the past, but like, they'll probably bring in a guy who's more um, media friendly. I mean, Gettleman is easy to criticize because he's a little bit of a jerk. I mean, it just is. You know, he he does not hide his Boston anything, you know, and that riles up idiots. And you know, he just. He's very short with people. He is who he is. He's not apologetic about it, and it's easy to not like somebody like that. They may bring in somebody who still believes all the same things that Gediman believes, but he's just easier to like.
1: I think that, I think they bring someone in, the guy needs to have some quick wins. I think, you know, uh, I, I, I don't think that... the I, don't, I think that the Barkley drafting was very polarizing from the very beginning. I think a lot of people, and also the way he did it too, like he made no bones about it. This is who I want to draft, you know? And so it's kind of like, who is this guy just basically announcing to the world, you know, where we don't know if there was offers for that pick. We don't know what else was going on. It was just, there's the old guy and that's what he wants. And, 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 you know, and it it comes from a different era of the NFL where, Running back is valued much more than it is today. I mean, remember, you know, it was what twenty five years ago when Mike Ditka traded his entire draft class to get a running back. Can you imagine that happening today? Absolutely, happening for, for yeah, anybody. Happening Can, you ma- Can you imagine happening for a quarterback? Like no one would do that for Trevor Lawrence. So I I agree with you. I do I do not think. Fairly or unfairly, he will survive this. I just think you know you start pissing in the wind, especially in this town, the snowball effect where uh, you know everybody gets sort of a pass this year because it's not like people are boycotting going to games or people aren't buying tickets because there are no tickets and there's no crowd to boycott. But next year, you know, I don't think I don't think I don't think the mayors want to see forty thousand people in this stadium. And you, you might, you will start getting that people fans are too fickle. Fans have, you know, they have Sunday ticket. They have big TVs at home. They don't have to watch, you know, non-competitive garbage and teams that, you know, that there are in the rebuild, but at a, at a pace that is not nearly the speed of what people want fair or unfair, right or wrong. So, you know, this is a, they're a consumer product. And fortunately for the Giants, the Jets are just as bad of a situation. So you don't have that kind of... terminally
0: in this situation. It's all the more relevant to bring up the Jets because why are the Jets in this situation? Because they do this every couple of years. This is the danger of getting rid of a guy who is in the middle of his vision. It really is. And that's what worries me about it. It's not because I like him or even because I believe his
1: vision is the best vision. But but at some point, the vision has to be... Real. evaluate it. I get you, know, it. you don't you don't evaluate the vision when the vision's over and say, you know, here's the final product because you know, you could say I'm still I'm still working on this roster and it's like okay, I get, well, I, I how I much truly, time do you get?
0: Truly get it. I get that. It's it's fair, but when you only just get, I mean, this this should have been a better year if there was no off season issues. I would be much more critical of everything that we're seeing this year.
1: Let's see in week nine where this team is. Of course, I mean, it's also I, only week three. Yeah, I mean, we we won a Super Bowl in the year where we thought we had the worst defense of all time after week two. But, you know, if I was going to Vegas, I'd probably bet on... Those, those
0: are outlier situations, but that doesn't mean that the team... Again, he, if this team somehow, at the end of this year, is approaching 500, if they wind up... You know, six and ten, seven and nine. You know, just throwing that out there. I do think he survives. I mean, because of because of the off season situation. If they had a normal off season and all their wins were on the back end, I would disagree with this. But not being able to see what this year was going to be until the middle of the season, anyway, kind of skews I,
1: it. I think it's going to depend more on just units and individuals seeing the growth from week 1 week 2 to week 13 and okay, week 14.
0: I get what you're saying.
1: I I get what you're that's, saying, I'm get, I get what you're
0: saying and I losses. agree with you. I agree with you. But we've already seen week 1, week 2, week 3. You're not winning games. There there's definitely going to be if you, if you wind up 6 and uh, 10 and 7 and 9 by the end of this season, they're not doing it the way that there's there's going to be growth there. That's what I'm saying. We've already seen how this year starts. If they wind up with that record, then they've grown. That's just the point I'm making.
1: I mean, but we also we, we also might see, you know, development of Daniel Jones to the point where you know, from you know, the training wheels and the timidness of week two and week three to having more control and understanding of the offense. They may not win games, but oh, you can yeah. say you know the offensive line is playing significantly better than it did. I mean, based upon the the schedule and all that other stuff, they may still end up being six and ten, but there's different types of six and tens you know it's
0: uh, yeah but
1: you know uh, what? two game two games in the win-loss column is not as much of an indicator as overall that's, that's, look of how that's, that's
0: not what i'm saying though i mean what i'm saying is that after already seeing the beginning of the year there's no way they get to that win-loss record i mean w- without the growth that we're talking about here yes I agree you might, with you, see, the you, growth might that,
1: you might but, you might see that growth without the record getting much better it doesn't matter at this, this point, point
0: at this point even if you see that growth without the win loss record, if if they if they went up with four wins, he's it, gone. D- d- at this point, after after this week and the way the first three games have started, I think he's dead in the water now. At the beginning of the year, I so agree too. with you, but I also didn't think it would look this bad week three.
1: And I probably would sign off on that too.
0: Yeah, I think, Honestly, I think my, my opinion has officially changed that there will be growth there might save him, but if they, you know what, four wins, he's, he's I just think he's gone, and I'm not saying hey, that it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what I think. And hey,
1: look, if there's a he's, Dave Gellman's not my dad or my uncle. You know, I, I don't really personally give a fuck what happens to the guy. But like, if there's enough growth and development that they pull the plug on him, and the next guy has enough pieces to take a run with it, and this team gets competitive in the next two years, I'm just as happy with that. I don't. I, I I'm not hitching my. White, no, yeah, Dave Gettleman. So you
0: think I give a shit? I want to turn yeah. on the TV on Sunday and right. actually be able to cheer for my team and not just sit there with my head in my hands. Right. I don't right. care who gets the credit, who gets the blame. But uh, of course, if that happens, we end up in the same situation that we were. <laughs> Was this a Corsi's team or Jerry Reese's team that won? You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's 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 a debate that means nothing if you have something to talk about. Listen,
1: it, it, I will gladly debate for the next thirty-seven hours if this is Gettleman's team or GM X's team, if the result was a Super Bowl. Absolutely. Gladly. 100%. I will, I will talk for 24 hours straight on an argument whose team it was. Don't give a shit if the result's a Super Bowl. That argument was based on whose Super Bowl was it. Not as opposed to, well, whose 4-10 and 10 mess became a 5-9 you know, and nine mess. That's different.
0: <laughs> I mean, it becomes a relevant situation if the GM is good or not, but that's beside the point. It really is, so...
1: The question, the ultimate question is going to be, you know, if if this ownership group can resist all the outside noise of we're still losing, we still look like shit, does do they think that this team is on the right path and the moves he's making will continue to make more good moves than bad moves to keep it moving along? You know, I, we don't know what this ownership's timeline is for being respectable again. You know, I, I got to think that their patience is running thin because we, we are racking up years since the last time we were in the playoffs and they're going to want faster results and that doesn't bode well for him.
0: No, not at all. I I mean, we could continue this very long episode, you know, ad nauseum, but, uh, we're going to, we're going to can it here for today because after all it is only week three. Um, we will have our week four pregame episode ready for you Friday morning, where the Giants take on the Los Angeles Rams. Unfortunately, we will not be able to go to Los Angeles and see this. It's an away game, right? or maybe,
1: or, or, or maybe, fortunately, yeah, it's, it's an away. Well, here's, you know, the last thing about this before we go. It's very, very difficult to do anything once a season starts. You know, everybody's like fire game and oh, fire yeah, in. I mean, that, yeah, of it's course. like, it's like. Does it make a difference if you fire him today or week fourteen or after? It's like you can't make you know trades are very very rare in the NFL. There's no free agent signings. There's none. Of, you can't go to the minor leagues and pick up a let the prospects play. I mean, this is our team, and you know there's no sense in, in firing a guy now, and you know there, nothing can be done until the end of the off season. So or beginning of the offseason rather so i guess we just it sucks but you're just gonna have to just accept it and look for little things to, to see improvement bitching and moaning after every first down fire Gittleman is not gonna do anything if it's gonna do anything it's gonna have me just mute you on twitter
0: yeah Yeah. absolutely um that, that's like a footnote in the whole gm argument but it, it's a valid one um so, in any case, unfortunately, we're not flying out to l a to to enjoy the uh the good weather and and what have you, and then also see the Giants play um instead, we'll be watching on t v just like the rest of you and friday morning we'll you'll have our pregame assessment on uh you know matchups to watch and all of that. Interesting stuff that we do, and that would be in your queue if you've subscribed to us for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Google Play, or anywhere else where you, you know, have your your podcast. Wherever you go to listen to podcasts, ours exists there, and you can subscribe for free. And all of these episodes are waiting for you in the morning to listen to. Um, additionally, if you want some more stuff, and I'm gonna I'm going to shred this Pat Leonard article on Twitter, so follow me on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump.
1: If you want to follow a champion, which is I am tonight, you can follow me at The Cranky Fan, where part one of my three-course championship meal has been served. My Tampa Bay Lightning are Stanley Cup champions. Tomorrow, my Tampa Bay Rays begin the March for a World Series. And my third-ranked Florida Gators are on their way to a national championship. So if you want to hear all of that and, oh, yeah, our pathetic New York Giants. Follow me as always on Twitter at The Cranky Fan.
0: And the show itself also has a Twitter account. It's at Just Giants Pod. So you can give that a follow too, just in case you don't have a spot that you go to for podcasts. And with that, we will see you all on Friday morning with forward-facing eyes. Go Giants. Giants.
1: <laughs>